Pray for me. Now, and we shall read in the book of Leviticus chapter 27. Leviticus 27. Uh, we shall read verse 30 to 34. Before we read, we shall pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we have nothing in ourselves as human beings. We just sit, stand together, gather together as people who are human beings facing eternity, trying to find our way to you. And we lean upon one another. You ordained that as iron sharpeneth iron, a man shall sharpen the countenance of his friend. Because you, you, you planned from the beginning to use men, to speak to men. You could have used angels. It's not that there is a shortage of angels. You could be sending an angel to every time that people gather together. But in your wisdom, you chose to use men who are like other men. Not like they are any special, but just one of their brethren. And Father, we come praying for your mercy and your goodness that you will come in your great plan and by the Holy Spirit take these words from the Bible and speak to our hearts. We pray that you help us to come closer to you to serve you in a better way. For we ask these blessings in the name of Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. Verse 30 to 34. Says, and all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. And if a man will at all redeem aught of his tithes, he shall add thereto the fifth part thereof. And concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, uh, even of whatsoever passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. He shall not search whether it be good or bad, whether neither shall he change it. And if he change it at all, then both it and the change thereof shall be holy, it shall not be redeemed. These are the commandments which the Lord commanded Moses for the children of Israel in Mount Sinai. Now, may Lord, the Lord add blessings. You can be seated while our brother reads Uganda. Ero muntu wana yagalanga okunula kubitundu bie bie kumi. Anagatanga ko echitundu chabyo echokutano. Ere bitundu bie na ebie kumi ebie ente obanga ebie ndiga 
buli eyita wansi wo muggo ebitundu ebye 10 binabanga bitukuvu eri mukama takebiranga obanga nunji obanga mbi sota jiwanyisanga nokuwanyisa bwajiwanyisanga kale eyo era neri eze mu kifo kyayo zombi zinabanga ntukuvu tenunuli bwanga ebye biragiro mukama byalagira Musa olwabana ba Israeli kulusozi Sinai Amen. And uh, today, the whole of today, I want to give a teaching on tithes and offerings. In a situation like this, uh, in a church like this, as our brother pray, I mean said when he was uh, introducing his introducing himself as a member of this church. It's, it's obvious that you can feel the presence of the Lord. And uh, I'm very sure I've been hearing testimonies of what God has been doing among people. And I know, and I know that God is here among us. Now, we, we, there was in, in the message, may I believe the message in the, in the 70s, in the 1970s. Yeah. That's when I believed. And the message in Kenya, uh, it, it has been through years, it has been kind of dry. God, we, it's the truth. No, no doubt about it. But it is just that we worship in God in the truth. In other words, the, what we are calling the truth is the correctness of the Bible. Right? Every angle is the Bible. Whatever we are doing is the Bible. We have seen the, a child being dedicated here. Other denominations, they baptize the children. That's why her brother was saying I was baptized as a child in the Catholic Church. I was also baptized as a child in the Presbyterian Church. But when you look at the Bible, when you look at the Bible terms of it, there was nothing like that. Jesus Yesu took children just like our pastor has taken a child and blessed it. Laid hands on the child and blessed the child. See? Baptism is for sinners who are coming to Christ like we were saying yesterday. It is the ceremony that marks the, the crossing over from being a sinner to a Christian. We talked about it yesterday. It's like a marriage ceremony. Like our brother is getting married. The marriage next week, it will be the ceremony that marks the, the status. The sister who is getting married 
will change from being a single woman to a married woman. The brother there, brother, you. he will change from being a free man to a married man. And there is a ceremony that marks that. And that was, it was from the time that you changed from being a sinner, a heathen that doesn't know God. And you become a Christian. You become somebody who is committed to following the Bible. I'm not saying our pastor was a heathen. He, was, he had a religion. He was a Catholic priest. Right? But it's okay. But I'm, you, you follow anything else. You follow denominations. Follow whatever you want to follow. But as far as the Bible is concerned, you are a stranger. You may have your own religion, but when it comes to the worship of God, you are a stranger. It is like those people, those, you readers of the Bible, uh, the, they were, the, 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 those two sons of Aaron, they went into the temple and they offered strange fire. And they died before the Lord. Is that right? You know the story? Hey, do you know the story? <laughs> the Bible says they offered strange fire. Why was it called strange? See? They were supposed to offer on the to burn the incense with fire from the altar. Take fire from the altar in the temple and go with it into the Holy of Holies to, to burn the incense. But they came from maybe maybe they got it from their own homes. So, the fire was very familiar with them. It was not strange to them. But when it was offered to the Lord, it was strange. God did not know it. And you may have a baptism. It is very familiar with you. You got it as a child. Your, your mother had it. Your father had it. Your grandfather had it. Your community is all has that baptism. So it is very familiar to you. But when it comes to God, it is strange. Because God doesn't know anything else apart from his word. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And God will not hesitate to destroy the whole world if it does not have the truth. Some people take solace, some people take comfort 
that their religion has so many followers until they think that God will be moved by the noise of the majority and, and the family and the way it is family and it, the way the religion is popular among the people until when it is preached it resounds with many people in their hearts. They love it. God is not moved by that. God just knows his word. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And for many years, based on those principles, we held on to the message of the hour. I want to use the words of a politician in Kenya. He, a, he is a former member of parliament. I'm, I'm sure some of you know him. Uh, his wife is a believer. But himself is not a believer. But he loves believers. So he says that he was telling me that when, when his wife started coming to this church, he loved his wife so much. And she would, himself is not a Christian. He accompanies her to church. So he followed her. So they would go to a funny little place. You know, the church in where they were it was just in a, in a small hut with a gra grass, grass thatched roof. Just a poor little place. So he would follow his wife and as a member of parliament he sitting there listening to, he said he wanted to follow listen to the believers listen to the preachers to find out whether their wife is following some fanaticism and he said after observing for a long time he, he discerned that the wife is not lost he said to use his words, he said, this religion is the, decision, is the religion of the disciples of Jesus Christ. So, these are the disciples of Jesus Christ of today. And that's what we are. We are the disciples of Jesus Christ. We are in the same church as Peter and Paul. This, this is the gospel that was preached by Paul. We baptize like Paul. We baptize like Peter. We teach everything that they taught. And we stand it. There was a, there was a Catholic priest that was debating with Brother Branham. And he told him, you know, the, the, Catholic church, the, the Catholic church used to do that. And then he said, where? He said, no, in the Bible. Then he said, well, then I'm a, I'm a Bible Catholic. If, 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 if the disciples of Jesus Christ is the Catholic, then we are the original Catholic. 
You modern day Catholics, you moved away from our religion. But we have decided to go back to the Bible. Because we believe that that Bible faith is the one that will welcome Jesus Christ. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And uh, in Kenya, Kenya, I followed this message being a minister in it for years. But we never saw the moving of the Spirit in a, in a, in a great way. Just like the disciples of Jesus, they were preaching, they were baptizing. But there was a, the, you know, but the, when they were preaching and baptizing and uh, running the church in the book of Acts, the Bible says that God was following them, stamping their work with the signs and wonders. Now, in the message, we didn't have those signs and wonders. Right? We were just preaching they should be there. People should receive the Holy Ghost. Healing should be there. Not to be this. But in 1990, around 1990 there, God started coming into our midst. See? In a mighty way, mighty healings took place. People are filled with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost would appear to people in the, in the form of a pillar of fire. Oh, yes. Yeah. In other words, we saw the message starting to be alive now. We not only had the word, we not only had the Bible, but we see the God of the Bible. See? Now, when it started like that, now, we, we, as we went on, now in Kenya, Kenya, the revival has really, really gone down. We don't see those things very, very much. And I know that, I want you to listen to me. I know that one of the reasons why it did that is because people did not adhere to the word of God. To the principles of the word of God. And I was telling Brother Gideon that any true bride revival it, it cannot be based on a lot of noise and excitement. See? No. It has to be based on people adhering to the principles of the word. See? When people ignore the word, check the history of the church. Right? Throughout its history, when people get away from the word, the, of the, word, the spirit leaves them. 
and they are in a worse condition than the way they were before So I'm telling you, you have to adhere to the word. The word has to be preached. It has to be taught. And people have to adhere to the word with zeal. See? It's a deep thing. If you read the book of Zechariah, you see one of the visions of Zechariah. He saw a bowl. No, not, not bowl, but bowl, a bowl of this is bowl. This bowl, it had out of it, it had seven candlesticks. Lampstands. The bowl of it con itself contained oil. You with me? You know that vision? That it had a bowl full of oil, olive oil. And besides the bowl, there is uh, an olive tree on this side and another olive tree on this side. Now, what it was, when you look at the interpretation of it, these two olive trees, they represent the Old and the New Testament. Out of them comes the oil that pours into this bowl and it gives light to the lamps. And by that we know that it is only the adherence to the word of God that will keep the spirit burning. If you don't adhere to the principles of the word, then you cut off the oil and the lamps will go out. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Make no mistake. I believe that the Holy Spirit is here. And I believe that the, the, I believe the lamp is burning. If we adhere to the word of God, it will grow brighter and brighter. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, this and the issue of tithes and offerings, I'm preaching it in that context. <laughs> Do you get me now? I'm preaching it in that context. In the context of adhering to the word of God. Right. Now, the approach to many people when they approach the issue of tithes and offerings. If, it is, if there is something that has been made dirty by especially Pentecostal churches, it is this issue of tithes and offerings. Because it has led to commercialization of the gospel. 
The gospel is big business. And that is why governments like, uh, you know, like Rwanda, there has been such an attempt also in Kenya. Uh, they have been trying to regulate it as a government. Where I was living in Botswana, there used to be to come some uh, some evangelists from South Africa and some from Nigeria. When they arrive, the government freezes all the ATMs until those people leave. Because when people attend their meetings, they would, they, they would withdraw so much money to support those ministries that the economy would be affected. <laughs> so there is a commercialization of the gospel through this teaching about tithes and offerings. But I want to give it the, in my opinion, in my understanding, the correct way of looking at it. By the help of God. Now, to sometime, I mean, not, not sometimes, but to, to approach the issue of tithes and offerings, thinking about offerings and tithes in terms of money, commercially, is, the wrong, is, a very, is a demonic way of looking at it. It's satanic. Let me elaborate. People who are in position of leadership, they have their ch the chance because I mean, we live by the tithes of the people. And their offerings. We ministers. That is true. No, but to commercialize it, when they have commercialized it, <coughs> they have made something that is of God. And they have made it something to be, they have made it to be abominable. To be an abomination. See? And there are all kinds of things they do with it. I've seen a woman preacher. She's South African. She teaches, she teaches on TV. So there's nothing. nothing there is nothing uh, to, to hide or anything about it. She does it on TV. She takes blocks of ice. And she puts colored water. And turns it into ice. And she'll sell it. She sells it. She sells it a hundred. She sells it for a hundred dollars per piece. Hundred dollars is a lot of money. Right? Now, and she says that when you take it, you go home with it. 
Because she freezes them at a very low temperature. Put it in the deep freezer and then so that you can have time to go home before it melts. By the time you get home, you say all your problems. You define all your problems. And as the water melts, your, your problems will melt with the water. And she makes a lot of money. And she'll tell you, she'll tell the people, God wants either a hundred runs, runs, runs is the South African currency. But he doesn't want hundred dollars, Zimbabwe dollars, because it is useless money. It is of low value. So she wants the currencies that are strong. And people buy. People buy such things. And there are all kinds of things that happen in the world. Preachers, they manipulate the people. I don't know whether it's like they bewitch them until they follow like slaves. And you find even educated people who can think but they still follow. See? Brother Gideon was telling me of uh, a story that is here in Uganda. I can't, I can't, I can't remember the, the famous crook uh, 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 that did that. That he had a big ministry. And he led his followers. And he killed hundreds of people. There was another one in the 1990, I think it was 1970, in the 80s or 70s. He was called Jim Jones. In, in South America. He had a big following. And he managed to convince the people that they are going to heaven. And he made, he says, he taught them, he taught them that the only way to go to heaven was through death. And he managed to persuade them to drink deadly poison. They went into a forest somewhere. And the, the police just found 950 corpses. And this guy was not among the corpses. He and in there, there were doctors dead. Engineers, engineer, scientists, following such nonsense. See? And you wonder, what, what's wrong with people? What happens in religion? See? I was telling Brother Gideon, uh, that this is not strange. We were warned about that in the Bible. You see, in the if you look, if you read the church age books, brother, said, uh, in the church, in the church age of Ephesus, 
When you go to the temple in Ephesus, they worshipped a goddess called Diana. And the image of Diana, it was just a shapeless female. But in the arms were just two pieces of iron, rod, that were... Now, the prophet taught eh, that that was the spirit of the Antichrist that would operate among the Christian churches. And it would crush the people. It would hold them at ransom. Yeah, it would hold, hold them as if they are in prison. That is why you find a, ma a man he is preaching the gospel. He is preaching at against adultery. But he is sleeping with the women among the congregation. And they are looking at him clapping and cheering. Yet they know he is a hypocrite. And you cannot get him from there. You cannot, get, you cannot persuade them to get, to get away from that church. It's, there is a spirit that holds them prison. Oh, I have seen so much of that. Until I know that there is a spirit of the devil that captures the people. Holds them captive. See? And that is among the people, the, the, they commercialize the gospel. They lead people wrong. And people follow. Even if they read in the Bible, but they are still following. See? Then, the other aspect of it, are you with me? The other aspect of it. As people who come in the church, they cannot pay the. Now, this morning, I'll stress more about tithes. Then, in the afternoon, I'll stress more about offerings. The flip side of it. Now, one extreme, one extreme is commercialization of it. The other extreme is when people sit in church. They, they look at offering as if they are, as if they are losing. See? Because as if it's a loss. Such that they calculate. They say, no, no, no. Until you find that they give to the church, they just give the things that are like change. Like a brother was telling me. He was, uh, you know, quoting a trustee. A trustee, trustee in the church. was his friend. Now the trustee... Where churches are sta so starved of cash. You find the members of the church. 
They are, you find them doing their own things. They are buying new cars, building houses, but when you come to the, the collection in the church, you find there's very little money. And the church programs are suffering. So in one of the, the, one of the trustees, he was going through the counting the offerings. And he found that one brother, either a brother or a sister, somebody gave the offering. But in the offering, the little money that he gave, it was wrapped in a receipt. What had happened, he had, he had gone to uh, fast foods Restaurant outlet. And he had bought for himself a nice big Jewish pizza. Or something. Costing something like, uh, let me put it in Uganda money. Something like 20,000 shillings. And he has been given a change of 2,000. That is what he planned to give as offering. Can you imagine that? Somebody buying for himself food worth 18,000 and then coming to give to church 2,000. <laughs> So people commercialize it in that manner. They look at it as if they are losing when they are giving to church. That's the other evil. I want to tell you that tithes and offerings in the church they are connected with worship. When you give to God, you are expressing something spiritually to him. It is not so much how much you give, but the state of your heart. See? If people understood that, that it is not, it is like if you go to your in-laws. Like our brother was meeting his in-law yesterday. <laughs> if you go to visit your, your bride's home, the gifts that we carry, it is not so much the commercial value of it. But you are expressing something. See? Now, and when we come to God with offerings, it comes out of our hearts. We are expressing something. So when you look at it as if you are counting how much you are going to give and commercializing it, same. Then you are going. You are going to. You are going to enter into the temptation of, of, of giving evil offerings to God. Tithes and offerings. They are sacred things. Are you with me? 
The tithe is holy. It is not just money. But it's holy money. That is why in the scriptures that we read, you would give tithes of your harvest, be it seed, be it fruits, and also of animals. Now, it would be like this. Maybe, perhaps, let me illustrate on the ones of, uh, of, of animals. Because it's described there. What they were doing practically, they would, they would uh, estimate the amount of time it would take for your herd, if it's cows, if it's sheep, for them, for them to double. So that if you, are, if you have 20 cows, you wait until they are 20. Right? Then at that time when they have multiplied, you make them pass through a, a, a narrow place like this. One by one. And then you count one, two, three. The tenth is the Lord's. Where the others are going this way, that one you put aside. Then you start counting again. One, two, up to ten. The tenth is the Lord. And it is holy. So, what the scriptures are saying there, in the book of Leviticus, sometimes you may watch, and you find that the tenth one, because you don't arrange them, they just come. You find that the tenth one is your prize bull. It is the bull that makes your heart to have its glory. Like, like I used to see in Botswana, Botswana are people who, who really love cattle. Just, just like some of your tribes here. So, the, the he would choose his big bull and put it on his pickup so that when he goes to the bar to drink, they can be, he can be calling the other drunkards to go and boast about his bull. So you'll find that the tenth one is that bull that you love. And you say, ah, ah, ah no, 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 I can't give this one. The scripture says, if you are tempted to take it away, so that you let it go, follow the others, and then you say, no, 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 I'm going to start again, so that you don't lose that one. So you start counting, and then you get a tenth one. Then, after a while, your conscience starts pricking you. No, no, no. What did I do? This was wrong. Are you getting the picture? Now, you could, and then you go to take the one that you, you stole from God. 
you cannot put it among your heart because it is holy. It's not just an animal. But because it came tenth, that coming tenth made it holy. So you cannot put it among your staff. Right? And if you go to take it, and then you try to exchange with the one that that you try to exchange it with, you also could not touch it. Because it is also holy. So you lose two. If you are tempted to become commercial, are you getting me? It's holy. So how does it apply? If you have, if you earn a hundred thousand, if you earn ten thousand shillings, no, three hundred. Let me put something practical. If you put, if you, if your salary is a million shillings, the tenth is holy. You cannot mix it with your other money, with your other things. Because it is holy money. Are you with me? You cannot mix it. You must not look at things commercially. But in terms of they are meaning to God. And when people play with holy things, the wrath of God comes on them. Do you remember Nebuchadnezzar? Or was he Belteshazzar? Belteshazzar. Nebuchadnezzar, he took vessels from the temple of the Lord and put them among his own staff in Babylon. Babylon. Then his grandson, Belteshazzar, when he came to power, he thought he would make mockery of the Lord. And he took the vessels of the Lord and started drinking wine in them. See? That is when there was a hand without a body that came on the wall and started writing. He told him, you have been weighed in the balance. You have been found wanting. And your kingdom is finished. And the same night he died. See? Because of tampering with holy things. There was the issue of Akan and all that. It is not a question of property. You see, if you look at Akan, when they were told to go to, you know, to that Canaanite, what is called Canaanitish campaign, you know, 
when they went to fight the nations of Canaan, in Jericho, God told them, don't touch anything. Right? Are you with me? Whether good or bad, that's when Akan went and found a very nice suit from Babylon and a gold wedge. And, and he stole it. See? To show you that it was not a question of property. In the next cities, the other cities that he went to get, God told them to take what they want. Right? Yeah, take whatever you want. Animals, clothes, gold and silver and everything. Plunder is yours. But from Jericho, they are cast. Don't take anything. So it's not a question of commercial value. Right? And when it comes to, to the, the tithes and offerings, <coughs> don't think about it in terms of, of, of commercial value. See? Now, the paying of tithes and offerings, or rather, let me put it like this, the, the performance in other words, how good you are in paying tithes and offerings is a mark of Christian. If you don't pay your tithes well, it is a, it is a sign that you are a weakling Christian. Right? It is a measure of your faith. Give me a quotation. Let me. This is, this is 6206. Fine. Paragraph 71. It says, eh? But when it comes to real down inside of him courage, he didn't have it. Uh, when he had seen that word, now I'm going to get religious. When he seen that word made manifest, and know that that was uh, the day for it to be there, and seen it proved exactly what God said would do, then with all of his intellectual strength, with all of his physical being, that's the way it is today. Men who just woke up, I think he was talking about Ahab, or something, somebody, one of those, those compromisers in the Bible. And he says, this is the way today. Men who just woke up and put their name on a book, those who shake hands with a minister, and when it comes to standing in the office, and the boss passes a drink, they will take it. <coughs> they are afraid of their job. 
For example, if the boss, it is his birthday. And he wants everybody to take a sip of whiskey. To, to, to bless him. And if you don't drink, he will interpret that you don't like him. See? And because you are afraid of your job, you, are, you drink it. You compromise and drink. Now listen. It comes to paying your tithes into your church. You are afraid to do it because you are afraid you will starve to death. Even though God's made a promise that he will take care of you. It is in the same category. You will find that poor tithe payers, they are usually weakling Christians. They are compromisers in other things also. They are not good in meetings. They are not good in uh, standing for the word at their place of work. These are the kind of people when people in the office when they make a dirty joke because he doesn't want to appear as if he is a fanatic. He, he will laugh at the joke. Even though it is something it may be something blasphemous. They are compromisers. In the now, this is, this is the prophet. He, the, is the prophet putting them in the same category. See? They are afraid that they are going to starve to death. So they don't pay. Thinking they are going to starve because they have commercialized tithe pay. Now, you are taking something holy and putting it among your staff to be mixed with your... The way you, you mix up your money and plan and do this and the other. And you are taking God's money See? Now, tithe paying is essential for Christian experience. Is that right? What does that got to do with Christian experience? What has that got to do with Christian experience? But you know, let me tell you, brethren. In the book of 2 Kings, I won't, I won't quote it because of I won't read it because of time. But it's in 2 Kings chapter 17. Are we together? When the children of Israel were uprooted from their land by King Nebuchadnezzar. He took them to Babylon and other places 
And because their land was vacant, they were just a few Israelites that were left there. But most of them left. And the, the small group that left, if you read your Bible, during the book time of Jeremiah, they migrated to Egypt. So the land was bare. So Nebuchadnezzar sent people to, to come and occupy the land. Babylonians, Syrians, and others. Now when they came to the land, they were worshipping their idols and doing according to their abominations they left at home. And the Bible says that God sent lions among them. Then the king designed that the reason why God, lions are killing people is because there is a God in this land. Right? Amen. And these people are not doing according to the laws of the God of the land. So he sent priests to come and teach them about the laws of God. Then the lions stopped killing them. Let me tell you, in this kingdom, in this land, we have a God. And he has his laws. You don't just do the things the way you want. That's why you'll be, you'll be, you'll be, you'll be, you, you, you will try to prosper until some people think eh, that people who are not Christians, they are doing better. Is that not true? They seem to do better. In business, business. But it's, it's like Christianity does not favor your, your, you know, financial transactions and endeavors very well. There is a way in which we handle money in this kingdom. Now, if you don't do according to the way we are instructed, of course, things are not going to work for you. See? Yeah. There is a God in this land. He has his laws for blessing. He has laws of prosperity. And you got to go according to the laws, his laws. If you are going to get anywhere with him. Tithe paying is essential for Christian experience. What kind of experience? Baptism of the Holy Ghost. Healing. Prosperity. Things like that. Give me 6107.23e. Paragraph 
Yeah. Now, the question was, can you, can you display the question? Yeah. Now, does a Christian not get to heaven because they do not pay tithe? Now, you get the question. Can you go to heaven if you don't pay your tithe? Now, to me, his opening statement is very important. Because he's saying, I could not say yes or no to that. Something that you cannot say yes or no means there is a question. I cannot say you cannot that, that God will open the doors. I cannot say he won't. Right? So there is a question. But I do believe that every Christian is obligated to pay tithings because it is a commandment of the Lord. And blessed are they that do all his commandments. That they may have a right to enter into the tree of life. Now, I do believe that tithe paying is essential for Christian experience. I'll prove to you later just, just shortly that there may be some blessings that you may be you, you may be want, spiritual blessings that you may be wanting in your life and God ties it to tithe pay See? A spiritual blessing. That's why I'm telling you that tithe is not just about, it's not about money only. Because even the prophet is saying here, the type of Christian experience he's talking about here, I don't, I don't believe he's talking about financial prosperity. Financial prosperity is not a Christian experience. If it was, well, the millionaires would have it all. Is that right? But we are talking about spiritual things. And tithe paying is, is connected with that. Now, it gives you a right to enter into life. Do you know that even at, at church level, when you come to voting, do you know that somebody who is not a tithe payer in the church, he, when you are choosing, when you are making a decision in the church, maybe choosing a deacon or something, do you know that you, are, you, you have no right to put up your hand? See? You cannot vote because you don't pay your tithe. Right? 
If you get in trouble, and you know, the church is obligated to their own. Yeah, you, you should not have somebody sleeping hungry in this church. And the other members of the church are there. No, 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 no. That's wrong. That's wrong. That's wrong. It's a shame for a church to do that. There are members. We should take care of them. Right? Yeah, the basic things of this life, the church ought to take care of them. That's why the deacons are there. So that they understand who the, the status of people. And then people can be able to, they can be able to help. They can mobilize resources. If they, if they identify a brother or a sister who is in danger of sleeping hungry, they avoid that situation. Now, somebody who does not pay tithes cannot be helped like that. See? You do not have that kind of a privilege. See? I'm not able to read your faces. I don't know whether you are disagreeing or you, or you are scared. But I'm telling you the truth. See? You do not qualify to be helped. The, dig, the, the best the church can do is just like if we have a stranger here. If we have a stranger among us and he comes to the pastor gives him a sad story of maybe how he doesn't have food or he has a child who is sick in danger of dying and they cannot go to hospital and he comes here. He, he is not a member here. Then, the pastor cannot go to the church treasury to help such a person. What he does Chakola, is that he can announce it in the church. Then, the stranger will, come, will stand there at the, as you are going out. He will be there with a, with a small, maybe a container or something. Or the, you know, like a little something. That if you feel touched, you can put something there for him. He should just announce that we have a somebody here, stranger, we don't know him. Uh, we have no time to investigate the case. So, but now, he, he is claiming so and such and such a thing. If God touches you, you can help them. But not a church member. If it's a full church member, you mobilize resources and make sure they are taken care of. <laughs> right. So, at 
somebody who does not pay tithes is treated like a stranger in the church. Right. Now, the correct attitude about giving is portrayed very clearly in the book of Exodus chapter 36. I want us to read there. I won't, I won't, I won't speak much about it. The scripture will speak for itself. Exodus 36. And verse 1 to 6. Oh, do I, have I written it correctly? Let me see. Yeah. Oh, yeah, let me read it. Then wrote Bazalil and Aholiab and every wise-hearted man in whom the Lord put wisdom and understanding to know how to work all manner of work for the service of the sanctuary according to all the Lord had commanded. And Moses called Bazalil and Aholiab and every wise-hearted man in whom spirit the Lord had put wisdom, even everyone whose heart stirred him up to come into the work to do it. And they received of Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the house or for the work of the service of the sanctuary to make it withal. And they brought it unto him free offerings every morning. And all the wise men that wrought all the work of the sanctuary came every man from his work which they made. And they spake unto Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the work, service of the work, which the Lord commanded to make. And Moses gave commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary, so the people are restrained from bringing ne <laughs> the, the people brought so much. Moses never pushed them. They were just told this is needed for the sanctuary. And they brought so much. Until now, 
there was so much abundance until they were stopped from breathing. That should be the attitude in the church. Now, the performance, uh, the individual performance of giving their tithes and even offerings, it is not a it's, it's not a question of whether they are rich or poor. For example, when a church has a project, like the way you are building this church, there are many people who think they, they look they look at the people who seem as if they are able, and they say, ah. Let, let so and so and so and so let them do the work. They seem to be rich. And people have that kind of an attitude. So the rest of the, the rest of us uh, you just give a small hand. Just, they don't take it as a burden. That this is ours. They leave it for the rich. <laughs> And they don't know that maybe those people are rich because of their attitude. That's why God has blessed them. And maybe the reason why you don't have much is because of your stinginess. And I'm saying that when you look at the Bible, and even in uh, real Christianity, Christian giving does not depend on what you have. It depends on the condition of your heart. If you look at Mark chapter 12, Mark 12, verse 41. This is the famous uh, this is the famous scripture that stingy people use. See? That widow woman. Just look at the, the, and if you read your Bible correctly you will find that it is not the way that many people interpret it. If you look at paragraph 41 of uh, Matthew, uh, of uh, St. Mark, St. Mark chapter And Jesus sat over against the treasury and beheld how the people cast money into the treasury and how many how that, that how and many that were rich cast in much. Ntinatula okore kira egwanika nala bebina bwebisure feza mugwanika banje abali abagaga abasula mu ebinji. Is Jesus the same yesterday today and forever? That day he went into the sanctuary. And he went to where people are. They were, he, he went to the offering bag. And he followed it. And see how people are putting money into the bag. 
He still does that even no today. <laughs> See? Now, and there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all, di all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. It was not a question of counting how much she has put in. How, it is not commercial. But he looked at her heart. With her, yeah. or rather, if you compare with the others, somebody has four million. So he puts in, he peels one hundred thousand notes, shilling notes. She between the two mites and the poverty, that's all she had. Something must have touched her to give him all her living. She didn't have anything else in the bank. She didn't have anything else anywhere. But that little that she had, that's what she put in. And that's why he said, Jesus said she had put in more than all the others. See? When Brother Branham was talking about his how he how he his own performance. Brother Bram, we are here. I have this quotation, but I won't, I won't read it. You can read it in uh, question 146 in your questions and answers. When he was dealing with this question, and he said how he was. Now, his job was to dig trenches in the city. Right? With a matuk and a hole. That was his job. He had just come from hospital. He was very he had, had a big operation. So he was physically very weak. At that time, his father was sick. His mother was sick. And he was the only breadwinner. 
But with that little salary that you used to get every week, the first thing is tithes. See, I would want, and even in that quotation, he challenged the people who are not paying their tithes to compare themselves with his condition. I don't think you can be in such a poor condition. Sick, weak, your family is sick, and you have a huge debt. Because he had a big hospital bill. He had a huge pharmacy bill. But what he did, the first thing he takes the tithe and pays because that is holy. Then he goes to the, the, the where he owes money and he tells them I cannot be able to pay you this week but I'll sure come next week and they excuse him. And little by little, he paid it all. Let me challenge some of you. Because I, if there is nobody like that here, then praise God. But always, you find in a church of this size, you find this, this disease among people. You borrow money and you don't pay. You find that you are so squeezed, so squeezed. The time you promise to pay, you don't pay. Now, instead of going to the people that you owe, you just keep quiet. Just avoid them. And in the church, you are, praised, you are raising no your hands to praise God. And the brother is behind you. And it's just when this guy. When is he going to pay me? <laughs> See? So what you do? If you are not able to pay, but go to him. And tell him, brother, I'm so squeezed. Excuse me. Then you are not going to hinder the spirit working among you. Your heart will be free. Don't, don't be don't be ashamed of the many times you go to him. See? But let me tell you. Don't also refuse to pay. If you owe a million, just pay, just pay little by little. Even if it's a thousand, like that, as long as it's regular, regular. It's time you get money, you pay. You'll finish it within no time. But don't avoid people because you owe them. You'll find you'll be able to pay your debts. That's what Brother Branham did. 
And with the time he finished it all. Because when you do that, you attract more payment. Mm. If you owe a million, when, when, you, when you deduct, when you, when you reduce that debt by a thousand, that thousand you attract more and more. And you, you find that you are at the bottom. You are finished. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Yeah, so the prophet was saying how he was weak, sick, family in need. But he didn't have that crooked attitude. And, and God blessed it. Now, he attributed that to paying the tithe first. Let me tell you, if you are a good tithe payer, you will find that you earn very little money, but it will achieve a lot in this life. See? If you are not a good tithe payer, you will be earning a lot of money. But it's like your, your pockets have holes. There was a brother in my church one time. He used to be a government official. Earning good money. But I'm telling you, they were sleeping hungry. Always broke. Then some people who whispered to me told me that because it's something that people knew. The problem with this brother, he does not pay tithes. Now, and me, I don't shy off correcting, washing people's feet. <laughs> so, Especially members of my church. Who else can help them? So I went to him and called him. Brother, do you pay your tithe? He told me, Brother, if you only knew my obligations and my burdens, you would not talk like that. But I told him, but now the Bible calls you a thief. You will never be blessed. He was so angry that he left church. Now, there are some people you can never help. Because when you start looking at tithes in terms of how broke you are, commercially, such an evil heart. See? Don't you know that when you mix tithes with your money, you are committing the same crime with Nebuchadnezzar. You are desecrating holy money. Because that money it's supposed to you, you put it in the house of God it's supposed to attract blessings back to you but without understanding you start playing with it and it will mess up even your spiritual life See? now 
You can read that. I won't read it, but in the book of Malachi chapter 3. I think these are scriptures that we well know. That promises those curses. We won't read it. We won't read it. But you read it when you get home. Malachi chapter 3. But I, because of time. But I want to I want to tell you about uh, about Sister Hattie Wright. Sister Hattie Wright. Sister Hattie Wright. Sister Hattie Wright. They were building a church. It was not. This was not even tithes. It was offering. You will get this in this message called My New Ministry. They were building a church and she pledged. Now, the amount of money she pledged, I forget the amount, but it was enough. That, that money was the earning from her farm. She had a farm that was very poor. But it was earnings from the farm for a whole year. But compared to what they had in the church, they were like what we read in the book of Exodus. In the Branham Tabernacle. People pledged and gave money and it was too much. They were not struggling to get money. People brought too much. So, Brother Branham, Brother Branham, he took this money that this sister pledged and she didn't just pledge. She actually gave the money. But he knew that she could not afford it. Because that is earnings for a whole year. So, he was taking it back to her. And at that, but she refused. She said, no. This I gave to the Lord. Not commercial. <laughs> then after that, the issue of the money, they started talking about the, the squirrels. Now, and then, you remember that story. Sister Hattie said something. That thing that she said, it pleased the Holy Spirit so well that the Holy Spirit came down in, in great power. And it told the prophet, tell her to say anything she wants. Anything in this world. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Where God comes down. This is not a myth. This is not a story. You are given a chance. Where you ask anything that you want. If you are an old man of 60, ask. So that you can turn back into a boy of 20. You will have it. Ask for a hundred million. It will fall on your lap there. Ask that you get ten vehicles. Or a helicopter. Or a helicopter. You will have it. That happened. 
And it was not just a story. They are story of story. Even them, everybody there, they could feel the presence of God. The house where they were, it felt like it was coming apart. There was so much power. Then she started crying. What can I ask? Now, Brother Branham told her, it's up to you. I cannot say it for you. She had a sister who was a creeper in a wheelchair. Brother Branham suggested, you could ask for a healing. She will jump up and anything but he, he even suggested, he suggested you can go back to youth. Young, you can ask for money. Anything but the choice is yours. She looked around. And she said. My greatest desire. Is the salvation of my two children. Brother Ranam said. I give them to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Those children, they were just teenagers laughing at them, you know, mocking, mocking. They were struck by the power of God and they fell across the floor and they were filled with the Holy Ghost right there. Now, this is the issue. Listen, this is the issue. When Brother Branham explained it, he said she bought that experience with the $200. The money she gave in the church is what bought that experience. See? That's the thing. So, when we are given an opportunity to offer tithe and all that, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He will deal with us as He dealt with them. That's what I'm telling you. There are some things, spiritual blessings, that you will buy with money. So when you commercialize it, and you start counting the cost, and you feel the pain of offering, you are denying yourself spiritual blessing. See? So exactly. Because God will deal with us as he dealt with them. Jesus, our prophet said, this woman in the book of Mark 11, if it was Brother Branham watching her giving the money, maybe he would have told her, just like he tried to do with Sister Hattie Ah, sister, sister, sister. sister. Don't go to sleep hungry. We, now, we have a lot of money. 
But the prophet said, Jesus knew the blessings that God has for us, for her, along the way. By giving those two mites, she was buying a big blessing. See? And God, who has been dealing with men, human beings, that way, He gives us those opportunities because of His work here in the church. He is giving us those opportunities. I'm trying to tell you there are some blessings that you are praying for. The answer lies in your performance of giving. So when Satan puts a stingy spirit on you, he is cutting off those blessings from you. Then we can talk about Brother Sharit. I think I've talked about this one here. Where the prophet said, a brother. He was poor. He used to work, uh, you know, just manual work. Like Brother Branham, teaching trenches, busting concrete on the street. And then he saved, saved a lot. Of, he saved money for a long time. Until he was able to buy a house and furnish it. Then he got married. Then just when he got into the house, a new preacher came into town. And God told him, give that house to that preacher. Take, the only thing you take from there is your pots and your pans and your cups. House Plot, furniture, leave to the preacher. He told the wife. And the wife said, the wife said, no, no problem. If God has said so, <laughs> I don't know, sister, how you'd feel. <laughs> and how you'd react. But God gave the grace. They moved out. They had nowhere to go. They went to rent. Then a certain rich woman, he told him, you can live in my garage. If you can just, after your work, you trim my flowers and water the garden, you can live in the garage free. So he lived there for a year. Then God spoke to her. And he told her, lend that Man, $10,000. See? Now that was a lot of money. So she came to him and asked him, told him that the Lord told me to lend you, not to give you, but to lend you. He had never handled that kind of money. See? So he said, now how do I pay it back? Even my mind, I cannot do that kind of business. <laughs> he refused. Then he remembered his own experience. 
And then he accepted the money. So he was given a check. But him and his wife, he was wondering how to, what to do with it. One day as they are walking, they see a house on sale being sold for $2,000. So they went there, looked at it, and said, maybe we can buy it, paint Maybe we can make a little money out of it. So they said, let's try. They did. <laughs> they repaired, painted it, put it on sale. They, they sold it for $6,000. From there, they started the business. By the time he was talking to Brother Branham, he was a multi-billionaire. Buying and selling property. He bought it. He bought that blessing. With his own small house. Suppose he had refused. See? From a place where he is walking with kings and princes. From being a, a, a manual worker in the town. We are serving the same God. You may, be, you may be looking for a breakthrough in your life. Sometimes you will buy it with money. And uh, I'm saying that uh, for the devil to ensure that you stay in poverty, you are praying to God, but you don't seem to have a breakthrough. As I said, I, I know that people have commercialized the gospel. But it is, there is still a truth in it. Because God cannot change. Just because Satan is misusing it, God cannot change it. Change change That's right. Now, give me uh, 5709.15e, paragraph 133. I'm almost done, so don't worry. Uh, what would a man take tithings for if he was never born, never will die? was from the beginning to the end. No father, no mother, no descent, all the whole heavens and earth and all of it. Why would he take tithe? Now, he is talking about Melchizedek. Are we together? This is Hebrews chapter 7. Melchizedek. King of heavens and earth. No mother, no father. No beginning of days, no ending of life. 
owning the whole heavens and all the earth. Can you imagine such a rich man who owns everything and then wants your tithe? If I own billions and billions and billions, in the book of uh, Psalms, Psalms chapter 50, which is one of my favorite Psalms, God told Israel, don't be, and we are going to read it in the next service, don't be scared to come to me just because you have not been perfect in, in your tithes and your offerings and your sacrifices. He says, I own the heavens, all the animals of the forest are mine. If I was hungry, do you think I will tell you? <laughs> you? And I'm asking you, when you feel stingy, you feel as if you are complaining. God, God wants my little money. You think God is poor, that he can come to you, you, to ask for your money. What money do you have? See, compared to him. He's not asking because he, need, he wants to rob you. You are buying the blessing from him. He is inviting you. He has made that way to bless you. That's the idea. See? And even let me tell you, even in the work of the church here, you think if you don't give your offering, this church will not be complete. <laughs> if you don't give, somebody else will give. If you don't pay your tithe, we, the servants of God, God will provide for us through some other way. It's not you. God is giving you a chance to buy your own blessing. It's not that God is poor. That's what is here. See? Owning heaven enough. When he met Abraham, Abraham with his little property. But Abraham gave him a tithe. And, and Melchizedek blessed him. He was buying the blessing. Then Melchizedek, owner of heaven enough. Hey, Abraham's tithing. It did not increase his goods yet so much. That's the idea. 
It's not that God wants your property. He is just making a way for you. This is our way of worshipping him. Which if you refuse, you are worshipping a part of God's worship. That's the point I'm making. If you refuse it, you are refusing a part of God's worship. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Give me 640823 e This is my last quotation. Then I'll quote one scripture, then we are done. I could stand this morning and tell you just what happened when I seen that. You know? Now, are you with me? He is talking about when he got a revelation of what I'm trying to teach you this morning. And what condition I was in. But just as loyal as I ever could. I when I took my own money from the church here or from my campaigns, I would give a tithe, a tenth. I would give out the rest to the ministers and give the rest of it to ministers. When I couldn't do that, the thing I did, I kept 10% and gave God 90. And then the Lord told me I couldn't do that. I would, I would, uh, and if I did, I was going to be charged for it. Then I had to bypass it and so forth, foreign missions, and take a wage out of the hundred dollars a week. Brother Branham was just—it's a long one. The brother Branham was just explaining his brother own experiences Branham. with the tithe pay. See? Now, are you courageous enough to practice it? In the book of Malachi, God says, try me and see if you have store enough to keep what I'll give you. <laughs> what a challenge. Let me tell you, let us give to the storehouse of God in the way they did in the book of Exodus until the storehouse of God has no room and see if God will not fill our storehouse until we have no room for it. People are looking at me very suspiciously. Oh. <laughs> Is that the truth? Is that the word? Can you say amen to the word? Yeah. It is true. So, brethren, let it come from the pages of the Bible. Let it walk on two feet. Let us challenge God and see what God will do. 
There will be spiritual blessings. There shall be physical blessings. I know, I don't know in what form, but I know there shall be showers of blessings according to his word. My last scripture, Luke 16, Luke 16, and verse 10 to 13, I think it's 10 to 12. I think I wrote it wrongly. It should be 10 to 12. This, this is a very scary scripture. Or rather, not scary, but profound. Profound. It's a deep thing. Now, Jesus said here, uh, from verse 10, says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. So you see, it's not a question of how poor you are. If you are not a good, if you are not a good tithe payer with your small earnings, even if God makes you a billionaire, you will still be poor. It's a condition of the heart. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you to your trust the true riches? This is a deep thing. Are you listening? I'm trying, I'll finish in a few minutes. But this is a deep thing. God gives you money to see whether you are going to be faithful with it. It's like this. If you have a hundred thousand shillings, God gives it to you. His money is mixed with yours. And he says, take that to the storehouse. Suppose somebody gives you money. Go to deliver to such and such a place. This money belongs there. Then on the way, you spend the money. What does it mean? You are untrustworthy. So in your hassles of every day, God gives you his money which only you know and tells you to deliver to his house. How trustworthy are you See? Do you know what God is doing? He is testing you to see whether he can commit to you the true riches. True, true riches are gifts of the spirit. So 
So if you cannot be trusted with money, why do you bother raising your hand and say, oh God, talk to me. See? You are not trustworthy. God tests you with kind of things to see whether you can you qualify for true riches. See? Is that the Bible? That's what Jesus is saying here. See? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you your own? Hmm? Verse 12. Verse 12. Verse 12. Mm. Brethren, this is my last point. Nobody wants to stay in employment all their lives. Right? Oh yeah. If you are working in a shop, uh, the best thing that can happen for you is if you can progress until you can keep your own, you can have your own shop. If you are employed as a housemaid, God bless you and progress you until you are employing housemaids. See? True. So what God does is first of all he gives you a job to see how much, how faithful you can be. Not very long ago I met a brother. His story, and it's not a story. It is, his, it is a testimony. With him he doesn't take it as if it's a big issue. But it is a very, very great lesson. One of the, the, the least paying jobs in our country is herding cows. Working in a farm, herding cows, taking care of cows like that. Now, this brother was employed by a certain brother like that. He was so faithful. He was so passionate about the animals. And I don't know how many years he stayed there. But he stayed and stayed and stayed. Not, not these people who are employed. Just a little problem, he's gone. Ah, he stayed there. For more than a decade, I think. I think it was about 15 years. But by the time he left there, he went to buy his own plot. Now he has cows, he has built a nice house. He has a car that is better than his employer. 
This is that scripture here. Taking care of other people's property as if it's your own. The reason why I'm saying these things. So eh? I thought you'd when you'd come from Kenya, tell us about gifts of the Spirit, how to get deeper, deeper in the Spirit, serve God better. There are many brothers. They come from swimming in the Spirit and gifts and things. When they go where they are employed, they are so heady. See? And sisters. Never sister. See? No. Wherever you are employed, whether it's in a bank, whether it is in a school, whether it is in a home, wherever, take care of that person's property as if it's your own. Then God will prosper you. Be faithful with the money that you get. And God will give you the true riches of the kingdom. You may be denying yourself the riches of the spirit because of mishandling the riches of this life. See? If you want this revival to get greater and greater, make sure that the riches that you are having, you are handling them in the right way. Give God what is His. Take care of other people's property. Be faithful in your place of work and be at peace with everyone. Then God will you attract the true spiritual riches from heaven. God bless you.